This is the Lost Start of Communication, hosted by Molly and Trisha. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Lost Start of Communication podcast. Today, I am super excited to announce that we will be interviewing Molly and her boyfriend, Joey, who will be a guest on our show today, since they have a superb ability to communicate as a couple, (laughs) we thought it would be an excellent way to give some firsthand insight on dealing with opening up to your partner as well as some conflict resolution because honestly, in my conversations with Molly, anytime she talks about things she's going through with Joey, I am always blown away with how well they each articulate their feelings and that's obviously a very important thing For anyone, either in a relationship or even in just a friendship, I'm sure we will all learn something really important from the two of them. Just to be clear, we are not perfect by any means, but I think we just have the mindset of that we are communication-based and we both think like that, so it's easier for us to talk through some things. But we are by no means like being just like us. Of course. No one is perfect. We just think, I personally think that... I've learned so much from listening to their stories and their communication style, and so it's helpful to get some insight in a couple's ability to communicate with each other, and so let's please welcome Joey to the show. Welcome, Joey. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I (laughs) I must say that, um, you know, I apologize in advance if I don't live up to all the hype that you uh, just just gave us. Nobody's ever interviewed me uh, to uh, ask about my way of doing something in a positive way. So I'm (laughs) super excited to be here. First time. Modest guest. (laughs) Negative interviews. You sound like a horrible person. Let's talk about it. (laughs) So there's no pressure to be perfect or say anything, right? Again, it's just about getting some insight from a firsthand perspective. I think it's very rare that other people get to listen to couples respond and actively talk about the way that they communicate with each other and regardless of what you guys say I think you do have some great strategies and we can also talk about things that are more challenging for you in the way that you deal with that and we can maybe even talk through some solutions for things that might not be going as well as others. But without further ado, Joey, since you have never been on the show before, do you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. Uh, well, I live here in the Bay Area, been a native here my entire life. Um, met Molly a little over a year ago. Um, I have worked, uh, recently changed jobs. I work in the tech field now, but previous to that, I worked, um, in the nonprofit sector for multiple years. Um, and, quite the avid fan of your guys's podcast podcasts in general uh, my buddy and I made a podcast that had very different subject matter many years ago um, back in 2015 um, but yeah super is it still on the air uh, it is no longer on iTunes <laughs> what a tease um, yeah no uh, it, it is it is lost to- totally you guys you got your communication uh, is a lost art but our podcast is just completely lost um but yeah i'm super excited to be here great thank you for joining us and so could one of you please tell us the story of how you met and the progression of your relationship so we met on the lovely world of online dating (laughs) 
Classic, classic millennial story. Yes. Um, so I moved out to the Bay about a year and a half ago, and I just got online dating because I personally like it for a means of meeting people, too. And Joey just happened to be um, the second date that I had. No, first date. First date that I had. I was going to say, you always told me I was the first, so <laughs> the, tr- the first. truth comes out. <laughs> no, you were the first. There was a bad date in between when we started and then, which I've told you about, and <laughs> because of communication. <laughs> and um, since then, I think it's been pretty exclusive and steady. I think we, like, confirmed our relationship a couple months after we went on our first date, and then it's been a year and a few months now. Mm-hmm. So I remember you telling me, and you've even mentioned this on the show before, I think it was either your second or third date, you two got onto the topic of love languages, and you were both mm. very open about expressing your priorities and what you were looking for. And I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with, particularly if you're using a dating app. So I know you said online dating, but just for the listeners, it wasn't like Match.com or OkCupid where you fill out a full profile. This was Bumble, right? Mm-hmm. Where you met. And so... The censure was asking him about breweries, and that's what did it. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, Bumble, the the woman has to say something first. It mm-hmm. can literally be just hi, um, which oftentimes is the opening line for folks. But Molly was intelligent enough to actually read my profile. Which I think is important. Uh, yeah, it's a good point to mention. And in it, I mentioned that I like craft beer. Uh, and so she asked if I knew any good breweries because she was new to the area. And so I was like, okay, like... She knows that the place that sells beer is called a brewery. She she knows at least a baseline level, uh, and she read my profile. So I was like, all right. Um, And it was something that I was also interested in, too, so I wasn't just going to Joey's profile and being like, what is something that he's interested in so that I can try and connect with him? It was like, oh, what do we have in common? Mm. Oh, cool, let's connect on that. So finding a common interest from that profile and then building off of that. Side note, fun fact, when I moved with... I moved Molly in to her new house in San Jose in California. I went on her Bumble profile and messaged <laughs> so many men with the weirdest lines. Like, I would call them out on their I forgot spelling. about that. So when she, and I would just say, like, weird things, like, you spelled heels wrong or, like, all this stuff. <laughs> and uh, I remember when she told me about Joey, I was like, oh, my gosh, is this one of the guys that I messaged? She said, No. <laughs> I don't know that, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sure most of those wouldn't have panned out, unfortunately. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, it's, I they tried your hardest for me. Obviously, <laughs> didn't, so don't listen to my advice. But <laughs> so I like what you were saying, though, about find the common grounds. But okay, so someone puts out there, hey, I like beer, and you say, okay, what are some breweries? That doesn't really, that's a great opening line and way to get started and connected. But I, I'm curious how you got deeper so quickly because I feel like within the first few dates you already were comfortable enough to express, hey, this is what I'm looking for, this is my love language, this is my dating style. And I think in our culture today, we're just in a culture of, especially with our generation, such apathy where we feel like whoever cares the least in a relationship is winning. It's like, I don't really Mm -hmm. care. I don't really care. And that is something that is awful in my opinion. And I'm guilty of it too. It's we all, we all want to play it cool and not show our feelings and emotions. And that's one thing I really admire about you two. When I hear this story, especially when you guys were first starting out, you were both so open and vulnerable. And so I just would love to hear from both of you, 
what that was like and how you can encourage other people to do something similar. Yeah. Do you want to talk about how, like, like how did the love languages come up in your third Yeah, the love languages. So you go into it. Uh, Well, it's interesting because the love languages, so um, my my job at the time, uh, like, we were very close. You know, it had a very good work culture. We were all very social and friendly. And actually, some of my coworkers had brought up love languages, um, like, during the middle of the workday in the office. And I'll admit, initially, I was like, what? Like, that sounds kind of weird. Like, you know, I'm not super into that stuff typically, but actually, as soon as I saw what it was, I was like, oh, like, it's a super short quiz that, um, you know, took maybe 10 minutes of my day, uh, you know, during the middle of the workday. So I was like, (laughs) all right, yeah, this would do something, you know, be something I do quick on my break. And as soon as I got my results, Honestly, it really resonated with me, and I thought, "Oh wow! Like there, there must be actually some sort of validity to this." Um, and we all did ours and put ours up on the. We had a whiteboard in the office, and we're comparing them. Um, was this like when we started talking, or was this like before? This was a little bit before, maybe mm. a, a, a month or two before, but definitely was still super top of mind. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was something that I think acts as a good, like, quick. Like, hey, here are my love languages. What are yours? Oh, you don't know what they are? Here, let me tell you about them. And I feel like it's it's kind of almost a good emotional icebreaker, like a, mm-hmm. a, a low-risk, like, here's a little bit about me, but not too much um, so for me to kind of dip the toes in the pool of, of, you know, a little bit of emotional vulnerability early on, but not dive headfirst. Well, that's something that I think is particular about you, Joey, in a very good way, is some men would say, oh, yeah, that's just dipping my toes in the pool of emotional vulnerability, whereas other men saying even the word love on a second or third date, I feel like they would run. My friend was dating this guy for 10 months, and I they had a big conflict, and a lot of it came down to their different love languages, and I said, why don't you talk to him about it? And she's like, I can't bring that up. That's so awkward. And so I think that <laughs> like one thing I'm really trying to get at is you seem very comfortable, Joey, going to that emotional place, even though it's not obviously super, that love languages is not the deepest level, but that can be really scary and really vulnerable for a lot of people, especially I think men, but even women too. So what make, what do you think has made you such an open communicator that you are? Mm, You think you're just Um, raised that way or... (laughs) Um, well, I mean, I think, uh, when people say communication, you know, it it means so many different things to so many different people. And I think I've always been somebody that has felt comfortable communicating on a surface level. So I think that definitely does help if, if you're okay, literally with like opening your mouth and saying things to people, (laughs) um, cause not everybody is comfortable with that. So I think that having that as a baseline definitely helps. Um, but honestly, I think it's, it's a a lot of trial and error and like having to like see the, see the bad that comes with not being an open communicator and and seeing how that really becomes a, a huge barrier towards, uh, creating satisfying relationships with folks, whether it be, you know, more intimate like Molly and I versus, you know, um, just, you know, 
pure friendships or even just, you know, coworker acquaintances, you know, you really do at some point you have to be vulnerable in all of those aspects. It just looks a little bit different. So I think honestly, uh, seeing the value in, um, almost the 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 softening of others when you yourself are vulnerable it encourages vulnerability in others and and an ability to bond I don't know if bond is the right word but really connect with somebody when you kind of share that vulnerability because if 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 you're building up a wall and you're you know a a hard rock exterior you're going to tend to get that in return which just isn't sustainable as a human being honestly (laughs) I love that so anyone listening that thinks oh my gosh I'm afraid this is so vulnerable remember you're making the other person feel more at ease too and it might be uncomfortable in the beginning like oh my gosh why is this person sharing this with me but usually that's not the reaction and if it is the initial reaction I like how you put it saying it softens things it really helps to break down that barrier without it being okay, here's this really deep, intimate question. I'm trying to break through your wall. That probably won't work. But if it's a gradual progression of, okay, let's start with this semi-vulnerable thing. And then the more you get comfortable with that, the easier it becomes and the more you, your bond can grow. Mm-hmm. I think I think exactly what Joey said. I was like nodding vigorously when I was listening. But um, I think the term I like to use is like giving people space. But I think that's exactly how you were phrasing it just with different words. So giving each other the space to do that and open more lines of conversations and discussions is really important. Yeah, but even... So in my mind, those are two somewhat different things. When you give someone Mm. space, to me, I interpret that as you're listening to them, you're letting them share. But when you are being the first to open up, you're encouraging them to want to take that space because you're saying, hey, I'm going to share a little bit about myself And then I want to hear, then as a result of you Mm -hmm. sharing, they share in return because everyone's a little different. There are those people that automatically want to start talking about themselves and so then give them all the space. But then there are other people that that's really scary thing to do. And so if we're the ones that are a little bit more vulnerable first, and then we take the time to actually listen and let them share as well, then I think that's a really nice balance. And obviously, if you're trying to cultivate a romantic relationship, that's super important first step. Yeah, I think like even you texting me that, Joey, like when we were first starting dating, I think it made me feel more excited about you and more comfortable because I was like, oh, he like likes to talk about this kind of stuff and he's aware of this kind of stuff. The the love languages? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, not breweries. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Damn. (laughs) But I think that really helped me know that you were more serious about knowing about me because I've online dated. That's my whole dating experience, basically. And I've rarely talked about it in a way of like, what is yours? What is mine? It was more like, have you heard of this thing? Okay, cool. Bye. (laughs) Yeah. It just helped me know that you were interested. Yeah, well, and I mean, I think, um, I mean, for me, like, <laughs> not every single person I encounter, <laughs> I, I obvi- yeah, like, I don't want to have a deep, meaningful connection with every single person I ever encounter, but I think very quickly, based on our, you know, conversations and, and you know, going out on a few dates, I found myself realizing that, okay, you are somebody that I want to proactively get to know, you know, on, on a deeper level and a more profound level, because I saw, you know, we, we had a lot of, you know, interests in common. And I mean, even though I, I switched careers, you know, our, our 
fields were were somewhat related. Um, and so, yeah, I think like you were somebody that I, I wanted to spend more time with. And if I'm going to spend time with somebody, I want to have some sort of meaningful conversation at some point, because if, if you just talk about the weather and what you, you know, had for lunch every time, you, I mean, that's just boring. And, mm-hmm. and, and life is too short to not have those meaningful connections with at least some people. Yes. <laughs> so I concur. Something you said stuck out to me. You said that he texted you about the love languages. In my head, I just imagined this coming up, like, over dinner or something. So what, <laughs> when you were first starting to date, were you mostly getting to know each other through text or was it mostly in person or on the phone or kind of a combo? I think it was a combo, but we started off away from text. Well, we took it offline quickly. Like we met up. Well, you, so Bumble, like, you know, you, you're able to message on that platform. And I think literally the day we connected you, cause I remember I was at my mom's house visiting her and you're like, hey, just text me. And I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> um, so we, we, which for those who don't use dating apps, getting a phone number is like, it shows that there's a level of trust because on a dating app, you can block somebody within a matter of 10 seconds. So I was like, okay. Um, so we transferred to that platform very quickly. Um, I mean, I, even though I'm, I mean, I'm not that old, I'm 30, I'm a millennial. <laughs> I'm still not a huge texter. Like I'm not somebody who's glued to my phone all day. So I think for me, you know, text conversations are great for what they are, but you really need to move towards in-person interaction, see if the chemistry and the communication styles translate to in-person. Cause I can be as charming and, and suave and, and articulate as I want through a text message. Cause I can hit delete and think that text message through and craft it till it's perfect but in person, I have to actually have chemistry come through in real time. And we have to have it together. If you're super yeah. small, and I'm like, ew, that's not what I want. <laughs> exactly. So it's kind of like, why, like, don't, for me at least, like, I don't want to waste time connecting with somebody over text if we finally meet in person and it doesn't go anywhere and, you know, there's not mutual chemistry. So I think our meeting, I remember we met up at first date was on a Monday. So like, I think we were talking over the weekend and then we went on a date on that Monday. So it was super quick. And then I think phone calls happened not too long after that. Well, we, we, we had our first date on a Monday and for work I had to go on oh, a yeah. retreat. So being outside of cell service and, and I, would consider myself a veteran of online dating at the time, <laughs> had, had been on quite a few dates that didn't go anywhere. And so I knew well enough that momentum can be lost very quickly. So I, we had a second date the same week uh, without me trying to come on too strongly, said, you know, I'm going to be gone for three days. Don't forget about me. You know, I'm <laughs> g- going off for the weekend for work and... I hope you'll still be here when I return. He did. Um, you know, and, and trying to not sound cheesy because um, I'm not, you know, Ryan Gosling in the notebook, but <laughs> wanting to know, wanting Molly to know that, hey, after two dates, you're somebody that I would be sad if uh, I came back and didn't get to continue to know. And, and that, I think, in and of itself was being vulnerable to, you know, to, to a certain extent, mm-hmm. um, but really just, you know, sharing 
the thought that I was having about her um, and, you know, hoping that it was reciprocated, which obviously it was. <laughs> How did you, what did you think about that, Molly? Where you're like, oh my gosh, I just met this guy. What is he saying? Or did you find yes. it? <laughs> <laughs> well, and you, you did tell me yeah. that I was coming on too strong. Um, which I was battling with, but I ended up doing, which is another open communication That's thing, amazing. I Talk think. about that. So what happened? <laughs> Because these are things that people don't say. These are things that people think, and the girls get around each other, and they're like, oh, my gosh, she's coming on way too strong. It's like, did you tell him that? Of course not. So, yeah. So, because I did really like him a lot, and it was making me mad that he was coming on so strong. I was like, no, don't ruin this. Stop it. Good. (laughs) And so um, I didn't say that to him. Don't ruin it. What did you say? But when I texted him, I wish I remembered. It was something like, it's a little much that you are saying all this too soon, I think something yeah, like that. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I probably could scroll back through time in our text messages, but yeah, something, something to the extent of like, hey, I'm really enjoying getting to know you. Like, I want to make sure that we take things slow, and like, I want to like. You're, but I think I said something like, "It's coming on too strong when you say this kind of thing." Yeah, some something to that extent. So it was clear, and it was I. He was able to pinpoint like the thing he said that made me feel like it was moving too fast. Um, and then you were able to kind of edit online, and we worked through it. And then we did end up creating a relationship out of it. That didn't like blow everything up because of our second date, whatever weird well, communication and style and it wasn't i mean obviously it wasn't a deal breaker but yeah I, that's what i meant yeah and i feel i mean people uh when it comes to online dating i feel like because there's so many options i feel like people create very strict criteria and come up with so many deal breakers that if they met people more organically might not necessarily be there so it was good that we that you, that because I took one misstep in the wrong direction that you weren't like, well, never mind to this guy. I'll move on because I have 25 matches that I can respond to and <laughs> it get it. 50 or something, I'll, but it's I'll, fine. <laughs> I mean, X number of, of matches uh, that I can respond to and move yes. on from you to guys that haven't uh, misstepped yet. Yeah, and I think... Obviously, we've had many conversations about this, Trisha, but, like, we didn't ghost each other, slash I didn't ghost <laughs> you because of that. Um, and it helped us. And I, I was super appreciative of the fact that, like, you were able to kind of understand my point of view and then mm-hmm. take that feedback and then <clears throat> do something about it. And he did, and then it worked. <laughs> well, and, and I think... Um I mean, pers- I mean, life is all about perspective taking mm-hmm. because, you know, if, if your perspective is the only one that you care about, you're going to live a very selfish and egotistical life and nobody's going to want to be around you. But I think really, I think humility is something that folks <clears throat> don't necessarily value as much as other character attributes. And so really being able to say, oh, oops, like my bad and and not be defensive about it not well well i uh, there's a reason why and you know make up excuses or whatever and really just say oh okay i'm sorry i did that feedback has been taken like i will change my behavior which you know for some things is much easier said than done but really um acknowledging okay hey i I hear you and i respect it and like let's move forward in this new light 
this is so great. Like, it's just, (laughs) I've been, like, bursting, like, dancing in my chair the whole time you guys are talking because literally what you did, Molly, by calling him out on that, not even calling him out, but by acknowledging that and being honest with him is so rare because, okay, he was doing something, coming on a little strong, and you could have easily, like you said, just ghosted him or walked away or complained or been like so many people I hear say, he should just know or she should just know or if we don't have the same communication style, I guess it's just not meant to be. And that Mm -hmm. is not true at all. So Molly, by you asserting yourself in a pleasant way, you weren't aggressive or rude to say, hey, whoa, that's too strong, buddy. You very well like (laughs) articulated your thoughts very well and said... I appreciate where you're coming from, but this is what I would prefer. This is too much for me. I'm just letting you know. And then, Joey, you received it well, and you didn't take offense to it. I feel like from your position, a lot of guys would have just been like, oh, well, fine, she doesn't like me, and gotten scared and run away and or shut down because often when we get what we feel is criticism or negative feedback, we can shut down and kind of go back inside ourselves and back off. But instead, you took that with humility, as you mentioned, and said, all right, this is what I need to do to adjust this. But thank goodness Molly told you because what if she didn't? And so that's what I want everyone listening to this to take note of is, yes, it can feel scary. I'm sure it wasn't super comfortable for Molly to send that text and it wasn't super comfortable for Joey to read. But at the end of the day, that little bit of discomfort is what fostered the cultivation of this relationship and had that little text exchange not happened, who knows if they would still be dating. Yeah, I mean, I think, <laughs> I, I think now more so than ever, we have the luxury of being able to avoid discomfort. Like, if it's hot outside, mm-hmm. I can blast the AC. If if it's, I mean, literally anything. If we're that, bored, we can go on our phone. If, yeah, like we, we have so many distractions from discomfort that that I think it stunts our ability to grow like on an interpersonal level and I think for me it, like if you're comfortable you're not really growing whether it be in your job or in your relationships or with with your health or whatever it's really easy for me to sit on the couch and watch Netflix <laughs> but I'm not going to get a six pack it's really easy for me to not uh you know give a presentation in front of my boss but I'm probably not going to get a promotion it's really easy for me to not talk about my feelings but I'm not going to connect with somebody on a deep level so if you're going (laughs) if you're going to move forward with anything uh and specifically we're talking about our our relationship you have to be willing to sit in the uncomfortableness of like conversations like that and and I mean on the grand scale of things that's a, a, a one and a half for at least for me on the uncomfortable scale um compared to you know some other conversations that we could have so yeah I feel like it's it's important to not just hightail it in the other direction that at the first sign of discomfort and I feel like with online dating it just enables us to do that which isn't isn't it's easy in the short term it's a it's instant gratification and instant avoidance of of tough conversations and feelings which is what everybody wants um but it really ends up making you spin in circles because this you know what you avoided with person a is inevitably going to come up with person b c d through all the way through z honestly Mm mm-hmm 
It's like my boss always says, short-term discomfort for long-term gains. And so mm-hmm. that one uncomfortable conversation, and many, you will have many uncomfortable conversations if you want a relationship to thrive, and uh, it's worth it. And so I could go on for days about that, but let's move <laughs> on. So you built this connection you established up front like okay let's slow things down a little bit and then so what are some strategies you two use to ensure that your communication as an established couple stays strong so something we enjoy do to keep it kind of like we obviously don't work together we don't see each other every day but something that I think um, keeps our communication strong and that fulfills my need of love languages of words of affirmation. Isn't that it? Quality. I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Quality really, time. Really important to you. <laughs> Quality time <laughs> is that me and Joey make sure that we talk every night on the phone if we don't see each other that day. So usually I will call him right after work because I get out so late, but I'll usually give him a call and we kind of just go over our days and talk about not only like the logistical part of our days, but also like just catch up and have quality time, just the two of us chatting. So I think that's a huge thing that keeps us strong and connected when we don't see each other every day. Mm-hmm. Even I think when that's we been were really great. When we were in Peru, Molly FaceTimed Joey every day. And yeah, I would actually never met Joey in person. And so we've only FaceTimed, and this is only our second time doing that. I feel like I'm getting to know you very well in this conversation. <laughs> but that's, dive right in. That's another thing that I think is that not everyone makes the effort to do and to say, okay, I'm not going to see this person every day. So I'm going to start calling them. A lot of people just avoid the phone in general too. Mm -hmm. So how far along in your relationship were you when you started to, to make that a thing and whose idea was it? Was it just something that kind of happened or? I know Joey called me. I don't know when it was. Cause I remember I looked at the phone. I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> oh my God. What, what do I do? What was back doing? in the nineties? What is this? Is this, a, is this a mistake? Is he pocket dialing me? From I, what I remember, it was, it was you being like, oh, I just thought it'd be easier to call. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I, I mean, so I, I don't think it's against the law in every state, but in California, you are not allowed to text while driving, um, and there's a lot of traffic in the Bay Area. <laughs> so, you know, I can listen to music or listen to podcast or just, like, curse at other drivers under my breath to entertain me while driving, but, like, I remember one just... I think I was driving and wanting to be like, hey, let me call her instead of like waiting to text her when I get home because I want to talk to her. And I feel like just the like act of I don't know, I I think it's different for everybody, but I actually prefer phone conversations to text if, you know, beyond like, hey, I'll be there in five minutes. I don't need to call somebody for that. But if I'm going to have if I'm going to engage in a conversation with somebody over over text unless I'm in some quiet library where I can't talk, I would prefer to talk to them on the phone because it, it, you hear and experience so much more of the emotion and, and the context of what that person's saying over, you know, obviously in person is best, but over the phone is the second best. And honestly, it's, if, if I'm going to be in a relationship with somebody, you know, if I think about the most important people in my life, my, my mom and my best friends and Molly, those are basically the only people I actually talk to on the phone. Everybody else will just get texts from me. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really, for me, I feel like such an important aspect, uh, especially not seeing each other every day, um, to supplement it because 
you know, if one of us had a rough day, we can be the, the you know, literal shoulder to cry on at <laughs> times or just the sounding board or a thought partner, um, you know, with whatever it is. And, and that can really flip the, you know, emotional sentiment you feel in a day. If you had a really shitty day, but you get to have a good phone conversation at the end of it and, and vent and feel heard then you might actually end up saying, actually, I feel pretty good, you know, going to bed tonight. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that's so important. And you don't get that over text conversations. Mm -hmm. And I think just in the beginning of a relationship, getting a phone call from him, it signaled to me that he was willing to take it a little bit more, like, seriously. And it wasn't just like, we're just texting. We're not really liking each other. It was just another kind of stepping stone in our relationship. Yeah. So what do you do when how do you approach conflict in your relationship so obviously it seems you have a lot in common and there are a lot of things you get along well with and so since you're both such open communicators and embrace that vulnerability and see the benefits of embracing that vulnerability how is there a general strategy you use or how do you go about handling a disagreement that you have I think it depends on the level of disagreement But if it's, like, a medium-sized argument, I guess, I think the biggest thing is I try and... Usually I'm bringing it up to you. (laughs) Well, I I mean, it, it, it has to be, like... Well, so I'm a big proponent of, like, not blurting the first thing, like yes. the first thought that comes into your mind. Cause <laughs> like if I'm having a very strong emotional reaction to something, the first thing that comes through my mind is probably not going to help like deescalate the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, I mean, not specific to Molly, just in general, but really like taking a second, whether that be, you know, a couple minutes or sleep, literally going to bed and like using the next day to to think about it or, you know, whatever time frame, but really being able to think about what is it that's underlying my strong emotional reaction to something. Because oftentimes conflict, a surface event is what, like, lights the match for the conflict, Mm -hmm. but it's because of something deeper it's because I feel disrespected or not listened to or violated you know whatever the whatever the underlying reason is it's not because you didn't call me last night and I think that's something we do pretty well is we get to the root of it pretty Mm -hmm. quickly I think Mm -hmm. we don't skirt around like you know whatever surface level thing caused the conflict we get right to it I think and I think Mm -hmm. something that we both try and do it doesn't always work but we try and keep our demeanors calmer and we have more of a discussion versus a shouting match um, sometimes. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I feel like I'm, as a person, I tend to be very, like, logical and use reason. And so, like, I tend to not get really strong, like, emotional, like, worked up where I'm screaming or yelling really for anybody. But, yeah, I think, like taking the time to breathe and mm-hmm. like de-escalate so that you can formulate intelligent thoughts and not just swearing at each other and storming out because that's not helping anybody and really just further agitating folks. Um, and I think thinking about what the conflict really is about and um, formulating your own ideas before you have a discussion with your partner, I think that's something we do really well 
Yeah, and 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 I will say because um, everybody has different ways to deal with conflict, I would I would address it in a sober environment mm-hmm. um, because <laughs> I, I will say that our strategies tend to go out the door if we've both been drinking or I, I'll speak for myself if I've been drinking and if uh, I've been drinking um, but yeah so like be sober if you're going to address conflict because whether it be drugs or alcohol that changes uh, your logic and your emotions and even if you come to some sort of like positive space you might when you become sober realize oh hey no screw everything we talked about last night I don't really feel that way I was just drunk or or high or whatever so and it's a lot of repairing if you have a drunk argument too it's like wait I didn't mean to say that like that like this is what I really meant and we've had discussions like while drinking and then post drinking and the post drinking conversation goes so much quicker we come to a resolution so much faster and it's so much calmer and it's it's pointless to waste that much time and obviously it's harder and you don't want to be fighting when you're drinking because that's means there's some pent-up stuff going on but I think it's important to try and find a safe space to have those serious discussions when there is a conflict yeah one thing I so I love all of that and one thing I've noticed just by being Molly's friend and you know is, is that you both seem to be excellent at not holding things in and letting them fester because I feel like that's a big issue if you keep things inside and then you don't address it and then you're more likely when you're drinking to have this big blow up Mm. because suddenly Mm -hmm. it's like I'm letting it out but what I feel like you both do a good job of is saying hey this is the thing that's been on my mind and I think we should talk about it. Like that's why I wanted you two on the show is because Molly's so good about saying, so this was on my mind and so then I talked to Joey about it. Whereas, like I said before, so many girls that I talk to are like, this is on my mind. Have you talked about it with him? Of course not. Like just the fearlessness (laughs) that you have to bring it up so that it doesn't get to that boiling point and so that you can take a step back. And what you said about finding the root cause is so important because I don't think that's something that people talk about often. They think about, oh, this bothered me and this bothered me and this bothered me and he should just know and she should just do it this way. But they're not actually getting to the feelings to to what is going on. Like I feel like you don't appreciate me when you don't do X, Y, Z, or when you do this, I feel violated or blah, blah, blah. I think that's really, really important. And so the fact that you guys see it so early on and get it out early, as opposed to just waiting till it gets to the limit and having a big drunken blow up is really important. And I think something else that we have talked about more recently is from the amazing person Brene Brown. Mm. <laughs> Love Brene. <laughs> yes, she. Sorry, amazing doctor and researcher. Yes, yes, Doctor Brown. <laughs> Not <this> person. <laughs> um, but she brought up a really good point. It was actually in her Netflix special that when you are alone in your own kind of thoughts about like a conflict with a partner, you can make up so many insane stories in your own brain and then it creates this weird world you're living in that really isn't happening between you and your partner or you and your coworker or you and your roommate and it just messes everything up <laughs> yeah and one thing too that you both have brought up a lot today is keeping your perspective and keeping in mind the other person's perspective it's so easy to get trapped in our own heads and think well I'm feeling this way I'm feeling this way but then also Sometimes what happens is people try to take the other person's perspective and like, well, he's just doing this because blah, blah, blah. And then you make excuses for your partner. So I think it's a really fine balance to say, 
I'm taking this person's perspective, but I'm also keeping in mind my own boundaries and my own needs. So do you have Mm -hmm. any thoughts on how to keep that balance where you're not making excuses for your partner's behavior, but you're also not getting upset about your partner's behavior exclusively because of how they make you feel? Like, how do you keep your partner's perspective in your head without using that as a a crutch for them? Mm. Then take it away. That's a, I mean, that's a, I mean, <laughs> I know, I'm sure I mean, there's no right answer, but it just, it's no, just, yeah. just curious now. to hear yeah. your thoughts. I mean, I think it's, I mean, I think it's, it's establishing a very strong sense of, of self and like understanding kind of like creating boundaries for yourself and like what, what is something that like, okay, like we're going to have a conversation about this and what is something that like, this behavior is not okay and like this is like an end like we are no longer going to be in a relationship because of this because I think a lot of folks tend to get into a, a dangerous place of oh well you know it's it's really my fault and and it's not their fault like they're just doing this because of blah 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 so I think understanding a very strong sense of what is and isn't acceptable for you um but I think more specifically for for us it I mean it it this whole conversation really just comes back to open communication. And I mean, I think em- having empathy, um, I think, I-, I think our society today doesn't encourage empathy. Um, and I think like being able to hear and listen to another person and take what they have to say and understand where they're coming from, and using that to factor into like your approach to the the discussion about whatever it is you're having, but really not not letting it dictate what your decision is, but just inform it and supplement it. Because it's not like if I say, "Well, Molly, I I was a drunk asshole last night because of ABC," her not saying, "Oh, well, it's okay because of ABC," but understanding I was a drunk asshole because of ABC. And that's, you know, I hear you and I still felt X, Y, Z because of that. And and her not letting my reason and logic for it dictate her emotional response to it, but rather just let her hear it. I think that for, for me, that's been super important, whether I'm the one that kind of caused the conflict or Molly's the one that caused the conflict is really hearing and listening to people and understanding, but not letting it uh, force my emotional response in any one direction Mm -hmm. just a note off what you said about having boundaries having those boundaries for yourself but also it's equally important to articulate those boundaries if Mm, you know like this is my limit but you don't tell your partner Mm -hmm. people aren't mind readers like you have to tell them (laughs) and I think people always expect that the one person for them is just gonna know and like no (laughs) one's gonna know you have to articulate that and you guys do a really good job of that what were you gonna say Molly Um, I was just going to say back on that point of perspective taking, I think another thing that is really hard for me, but I'm working on is understanding that in a relationship, any type of relationship, but like specifically me and Joey, Joey has a Joey brain and Molly has a Molly brain and (laughs) I cannot change the thoughts and perspective of Joey, but it is my job to understand it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something we've had a lot of discussions on of like, you don't have to take my perspective. I just need you to understand what my brain is thinking and what my 
perspective mm-hmm. is on that, right? And so not changing your partner's perspective on it, but just getting a better understanding of each other so you can get more um, insight and understanding to when you guys do have a conflict or when you guys do come to a resolution. I think that's super important. And, and that's something I'm guilty of too, is trying to change his perspective or trying to have him take my perspective and say, you have to have the same one. And that's impossible because we are not twins. Thank God. <laughs> and, and I think um, normalizing conflict, because I feel like <clears throat> people act like, oh, my God, we're arguing, we're fighting, like, this means we should break up. And, I mean, I guarantee if you ask any successful relationship, you know, any marriage or, or a long-term partnership that has lasted years and years and years, they couldn't tell you how many countless times they dealt with conflict and, and, and not, yeah, like, don't, don't, like, artificially create conflict where there shouldn't be any because that's unhealthy for a whole different set of reasons but don't act like the sky is falling because you're fighting because like as long as you're able to to think about like all the stuff we've already covered in this podcast like and, and deal with the conflict in a healthy way it's only going to actually strengthen your relationship in the long run um as long as you you deal with it now and don't brush it under the rug because speaking from experience in trying to brush conflict under the rug it it's still there the the rug is eventually going to get moved and all of that conflict is going to come out from under the rug and then you haven't been able to practice a healthy way in dealing with it and you almost set yourself up for failure um you know down the road by doing that so so embrace it and normalize it in my opinion i think our first fight was about not having a fight <laughs> I'm pretty it was. sure. Yeah. What do you mean? So I think that's like we had. I think Joey was nervous that we hadn't been fighting, and I think I was also scared of conflict because I've never been in a relationship before this, so I was scared to bring up conflict. And he was nervous that we hadn't had a fight, and so it kind of brought up some things that ended up being like a genuine discussion. But I think it boiled up because we hadn't had any conflict yet and I think that was me being scared of it and then you knowing that it should have been brought up well I think I think I mean early on I was concerned that you weren't like shit like that you were not expressing like your feelings and emotions about you know whether it be more trivial things like oh I don't actually want to go to the park today but I will because you want to mm-hmm. um and so like I wanted to make sure that you felt like you were able to express your you know desires and interests in a genuine way and not being a people pleaser yeah not being a quote-unquote people you know pleaser or a yes person and so, yeah, so I think that, yeah, that was the, like, <laughs> you don't really want to do this. You don't really like beer. You're just pretending to like beer because I like beer. You and know? I was like, oh, no, not at all. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for asking. And then you yeah, realize Molly's yeah. actually yeah. just really chill. And <laughs> <laughs> Yes. But cool. So I would love to keep talking to you guys. It could go on for days because this is just fascinating for me and everything you're saying is like, from I feel like a communication handbook and you actually embody the things that people should be doing and so it's awesome and I hope that everyone listening feels encouraged in the interest of time though what take home do you two have for couples listening to this and then I'll give my take home based on what I've heard from you two today Mm. um well I I guess I'll, I'll share something from the male perspective because um, I, I know that somewhat well. Um, <laughs> He's been one his whole life. <laughs> I have been one for 30 years. Um, 
is, <clears throat> I mean, self-admittedly, like, this shit's tough. Um, I think there there's a lot of reasons why men shy away from these conversations. And, you know, society doesn't make it easy for us to be emotionally, physically, you know, um, psychologically vulnerable. And so I think, uh, like be okay with vulnerability, like, and, and it's okay to take baby steps because it's not easy, but push forward, like find that person, whether it be your significant other or a friend or a family member that you, <laughs> I articulated this the other day and I, I, I don't know, I feel like, I hope it, I hope it catches on, but <laughs> be able to be in your emotional pajamas with somebody like think about the feeling you have when you're in your, your PJs. I hope it's a comfortable feeling, but find that person that you can emotionally be in your PJs with and practice these things so that you can over time, uh, develop the ability to do it, you know, on a larger scale with, with folks that maybe previously you weren't. Um, and read Brene Brown's books. Cause honestly, I was like, this is this kind of foo-foo stuff on a real talk. I thought that, and I, I read her books and now I am, am a fan. So, you know, find, find an author that's message resonates with you and, and, and but make sure it's Brene Brown <laughs> and, and read a book because you get new perspectives through that and, and hopefully some actionable tools that you can actually take in and use in, in your relationships. So those are my multiple takeaways. That's great. And I just want to comment for the guys that are listening to this from a female's perspective. It is very attractive when a man is comfortable being emotionally vulnerable. I know that guys are always told that that's not attractive or that that's not masculine or it's not whatever, but girls actually really like it. And that's the thing that they end up respecting the most. So if you're afraid to be emotionally vulnerable, because what will the guys think of you? The girls will love you for it. So take Joey's (laughs) advice. (laughs) All right, Molly. Very true. My take home is to, if you have something on your mind in a relationship, make sure that you voice it in a timely manner, in a space that it will be well-received. Think about it before you bring it up. But I think that's something that's been really helpful in our relationship is not letting our thoughts and concerns weigh us down. So, yeah, that's my take home. Great. And mine was similar to that, just based on what you guys have said and observing your relationship for the past year and a few months <laughs> is that when something is on your mind, don't be afraid to share it. But like Molly said, take time to really think about it to make sure that you are articulating it in a way that will be well received by the other person try to take their perspective and I really really love what you guys said about getting to the root cause so instead of just keeping the conversation at the surface level is okay fine I'll take out the trash more it's like figure out why (laughs) not taking out the trash (laughs) bothers the other person so that it it creates a stronger bond and more lasting results instead of a band-aid solution yes thank you so much guys for doing this I really loved this conversation If you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, if you want to reach out to Joey, feel free to email us. Yeah, feel free. Yeah, give me give me lots of uh, yeah advice and and feedback. Yeah, sure, I'd love to. Yeah, you can reach out to us at lifesartofcommunication at gmail.com and we will get the message to him. Or find find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Lifesart of Communication. Thank you all for listening. 
Thanks. And if you really like the podcast, rate and review it because it's really helping and it gives just me and Trisha all the feels and it feels really good to read them. So thank you. And we appreciate them so much. Yes. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Bye.